Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Thursday from that guy, Jeremy Birmingham, and me, Austin Ward. And have you ever wanted to come hang out with the two of us on the sidelines at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center to watch a training camp practice? Wait, maybe I'm looking at that the wrong way. Have you ever wanted to watch the Buckeyes (laughs) in an August training camp? That's actually probably a great way to to sell this um, to because I could use someone else to carry a camera uh, if someone wants to sign up and wants to shoot from a different angle and you have any photography experience, maybe maybe now's your chance. Um, since I assume because Ohio State is allowing fans who uh, donate a little bit of money to the program to watch the first and second practices in August, um, that we're going to be allowed to be there the whole time on both days. Is that a fair assumption? That is the understanding that I have, Berm. I like that. I like that. Now, the question is, because typically in the past, Ohio State has discouraged fans from, you know, recording things. Um, and in doing so, what they end up doing up to with us is telling us that we are not allowed to record things during those time frames either. Do we suspect that that's the case or will they allow everyone to record things because it's the first two days of camp and it's just going to be um, aquatomization and um, not really true football 101 stuff or two i don't two, know or three or three <laughs> i don't know that's a that's a a topic for jerry emig to sort out with his staff I, I don't those details are probably not as relevant to the people who may want to later on on thursday grab tickets there are only going to be 500 available uh again ohio state's ticket office is not running this and it's not going directly into the players pockets or anything like that it's uh learfield is organizing it uh, the understanding I have is that the money will be pushed from Learfield and uh, this group into an NIL pot. How, why, I don't know any of the logistics or how all that will, will work, but I would say that this is another example, Berm. Two days, 500 tickets, $30 a piece, and a hat. Some quick math, which is not the forte of this show, says $30,000 like that. That could be pushed towards the players. That to me seems like a pretty good thing and something that I frankly thought would have already happened. Yeah. I mean, you said you don't know how or why. I, I know the why. Uh, I now yeah. the how is is less <laughs> You're right. It is not really t- um something that is our responsibility to sort out. But um clearly I think what we saw a year ago when Ohio State went on to social media platforms. And said to people, hey, you know what? We actually could really use your money to help with NIL. And people said, uh, you know what? Screw you, because we're not giving you more money. Um, <laughs> I think that the approach is a little bit refined now in that people can understand their donation is going directly to the players that are on the team and, and heading into the roster. To, to say donate to Ohio State um, or subscribe to a monthly thing and give us X amount of money for as yet to be determined um, perks like that doesn't work. You need to have something that's tangible for people. And while I think some of us may scoff because, you know, we get, we're fortunate enough to be able to be there at practice a lot and, and be around the Woody and be around the players. This sort of experience is something that fans are like, wow, that's cool. I, I, I can't believe I can go watch an Ohio state practice. And it's not just watching the practice. It's also, you get, you know, a, a, a meeting the next day with coach day and the assistants and, um, that's not for 30 bucks. That's pretty good. I think there's a lot of people on the media beat who would pay 30 bucks to have an extra day 
uh, with with the coaches at this point. So, um, it, you know, however it took, however they got to this point, finally, it to me is just another sign that Ohio State is evolving and understanding the NIL landscape just a bit better than they did um, six to eight months ago. Yeah, I remember us standing in the Woody and. I don't think it was really a debate. It did seem like it at the time that we were arguing different points, but I'm not sure that we were, but it was on signing day. And your stance was the way that Ohio state was structured right now is not good enough. And I, I didn't really have any counter to that. You were hundred percent correct. I was coming at it more from the angle that I thought, and maybe it was just optimism. I, I don't know that the Buckeyes, the way they've proven and everything else with changes in the sport that they may not be first, but over time they pull away and do it better than anybody else. And so I wasn't as skeptical, even if things were broken or not ideal in December, that they couldn't be fixed or dramatically enhanced by now, which I think that they have. Again, that's not to pat myself on the back or to pat you on the back for your assessment of it at that time. But like, it is, I think, a little bit worth mentioning and remarking and praising the fact that Ohio State has adjusted as quickly as it has because... I don't think, and I don't get the sense that there's a lot of concern or hand-wringing in the Woody now about will there be enough money for current players? Are they doing enough for future players on the recruiting trail? It seems like they've gotten their hands on that pretty quickly. No, right. And now it's about finding different ways to grow revenue for the you know collectives, which will then fund these things. And another one of the, I think, important things for Ohio State, and I know people love when we get into the weeds of NIL, is <laughs> find, finding a way for Ohio State to now consolidate what seems to be a somewhat confusing landscape because where we went from a year ago at this time having zero NIL uh, platforms at Ohio State, and that's just when the foundation was starting up. There was no uh, real like avenue for for where that was going now you have the foundation, you have cohesion, you have the 1870 society, these three different um, enterprises and these three different types of, of approaches. And I think now finding a way to streamline them or consolidating them for Ohio State is an extremely important step moving forward because you don't want to be having the right hand fighting against the left hand, not just for where the money's going, because obviously these all now are, are turning into for-profit models for the, for those people involved. Um, but because you don't want to have to deal with competing egos and you don't want to have to deal with people who are trying to, to establish themselves as an important piece of the Ohio state, uh, you know, athletic department or whatever. It's just, let's get it in one spot and give people an opportunity to really make an impact and contribute uh, as they see fit without having to, to balance. Okay. Where does this need to go this month? Who's, who's doing this? Have you felt at all, Berm, from the recruiting you know, side that I expected over time that the the bags of money, the amount of money would start to shrink as the business people got invested and started looking for returns? Uh, I, there's no way. We don't always know. They don't have to report what these amounts are. Um, I guess but I felt like $8 million for a quarterback was probably not going to be sustainable over the long term. That was one of the first deals. The stuff that Quinn Ewers was getting initially, I didn't think was going to be sustainable. I'm not asking you to put dollar amounts on everything as it changes year over year. Have you felt at all like everybody has come to a better 
situation, a better understanding of how this is going to work? Or is Ohio State just closing the margins with the ones who are doing it most elaborately? Um, well, there's just a couple of different ways to look at that. Number one, I think that we saw a year ago a handful of programs really being more aggressive than they needed to be in order to win a couple key recruitments. I think those programs, and people can read between the lines of who I'm talking about. Let's, you know, let's say SEC type programs have decided to dial things back a little bit on the front end slash guaranteed NIL money because nothing is guaranteed. I mean, these kids don't have to sign contracts that, you know, really bind them to anything. Every single contract, every single negotiation is being used as a way to um, counter someone else or to, to immediately be a, a bargaining chip on the table for the next school that calls you the next day. So like, you, it, there's no point in even getting so far into the weeds in these things. So expend expensing or expending a ton of resources on players that you three years from now between ENI between the transfer portal and injuries and everything else like that's just silly um mm-hmm. i think ohio state has accelerated its pace and accelerated its um uh influence in this space faster than i would have thought uh to close the gap but some of that gap is closing naturally because the other the schools that were really aggressive a year ago have come to the mean so um now what that means long-term, I guess we'll find out because people will have to decide what market value really is. But I think the important thing to understand is that there are still ways, even in 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 a wide-open NIL landscape that feels at times like it's just pay-for-play, um, there are still gray areas and there's still ways to exploit that that are uh, against the rules. <laughs> so um, I, I think it was interesting, and, and I know now we're just sort of tangent- tangenting here, but... Um, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner at SEC Media Days earlier this week, was talking about how their schools are somewhat concerned that perhaps the collectives are going to gain so much power that they will be essentially serving as de facto administrators of the athletic departments. And, um, you know, I don't know how the NCAA fixes this. I don't think they can fix it. But I, I think the important thing for Ohio State fans is that they've seen in the last six months. Ryan Day is not going to let them stand pat because if they do, Ryan Day will be applying for a job with the Pats. Well, there have been you know, a number of other uh, outlets, national reporters, uh, especially with SEC Media Days going on and maybe some more you know, off-the-record background opportunities with Greg Sankey and others involved that, uh, and lots of other administrators who are concerned about the things you're bringing up that suggest, I mean, I think we all would have known that the NCAA was not going to fix it and their hope yeah even dating back to when Bill and I sat down with Gene Smith, was that federal legislation and oversight was going to be necessary, both because it helps every sport and every state at the same time, and because of the what he left unsaid was that the NCAA being incompetent and unable to govern itself. So it needed somebody else to do that. And there were documents that were shared when the SEC went up there to Capitol Hill that said, well, this is the timeline for that. And they are hoping that by 2025, that that will be in place. Now, that sounds like, okay, why is that going to take so long? But if that's correct, if they're right about that, and the people uh, around the SEC or if if more, I don't know, whoever, congressmen, senators get involved in Ohio, that they want to push for it for the Buckeyes' sake or for the Big Ten's sake, let's say that that's right. If that's 2025, that would, on the bright side, mean that we're two years through 
the the Wild West. And college football is still standing at this point. On the flip side, who knows what it'll look like in one year's time because Ohio State's approach is already vastly different than it was 12 months ago. So I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but there are people that are optimistic. I don't know why they would be that this could be resolved in the next couple of years. Yeah, but you have to also remember that midway through the American expansion out West, people were still cannibalizing each other on the way out to Oregon. Okay. So like oh. there is a, there is a, there's a lot of ugliness that's coming still in this space. And a lot of people who will have to do things that they're like, I can't imagine I would have had to do that, but you got any salt, you know what I mean? So there, there's going to be some major decisions that have to be, um, come to and Ohio State I think the important thing again I keep going back to it is that we saw it from January to March really Ryan Day and Gene Smith and Ohio State deep diving into this and saying how the hell do we fix this so we are not falling behind because quite simply and as crazy as it sounds because Ohio State football has always been recession proof um, you're not going to be recession proof when it actually involves money uh, because once the money dries up or you fall behind in money on this plane. That's primarily the reason Ohio State's never fallen into the recessions because they've always had the ability to outspend everyone uh, when it comes to doing things, whether it's administratively or hiring the right coaches or building new facilities or whatever. Um, But this type of money is different. And so you're trying to figure out how to, to play this game that you've spent the last 15 years trying to get out of because you know Ohio State holds so near and dear to its reputation of trying to do things the right way because of how people have perceived them throughout the last couple you know decades uh, yeah. leading into the last 10 years so it's just funny i mean you you see the SEC coaches and administrators griping about this but then they're the ones on the phone calls with the boosters telling them who to pay so it's not like you're i don't know it's hard to trust anyone in this space because everyone is is trying to just win at the end of the day, but that's how it goes. Yeah. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. Yeah. He, so you're, you're wearing like a hot dog. Dressed oh, like a hot dog. <laughs> oh, no. Was that guy? Um, uh, but it, cannibalism that is, is yeah. It's, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because college football already did that self. Moving west and the Big Ten started eating the Pac-12 and uh, only the strongest from that league are going to survive. What a what an apt analogy! Analogy. Not only did you bring up cannibalism, but recession in the same uh, one minute breakdown. I don't know anyone else who can do that. That is an am- that's amazing work. Well, I'm, I was trying to figure out a way to include inflation in there, but it doesn't seem like the right show. Um, you know, bottom line though, I, I think, and, and folks, we will add a link um, uh, in the comments to where you can buy those tickets for the Ohio State uh, August 3rd and 4th practices. Those are the dates. So Ohio State will kick off fall practice on August 3rd. Um, we had Two weeks day. from today. That's crazy. It's crazy. Media days next week. I know we're going to talk about this more in depth over the next couple of days, but what I, what I, I want readers uh, over at ohiostate.rivals.com and I want subscribers on the YouTube channel here for the podcast to give us a sense of what type of questions you want asked to Marvin Harrison, Cade Stover, JT Tomalowa, because as you may or may not know, Austin and I are both really, really just don't like media days. I think they're a waste of people's time. Um, So 
if there's something that you're dying to know about these guys, I, I would be interested uh, in helping ascertain that information for people. Um, first and foremost. Well, also because we like to use the time that is allocated to us to ask some questions that not everyone else is going to when they have to sit there for an hour and like with six different outlets, one after the other, you know, the answers about football from them do get a little, they get worn out of giving them. And to be frank, we get tired of hearing them because the, they give the same ones all day long. So bonus points. If there are some things that aren't just solely related to, I don't know who the quarterback is going to be because they're not going to answer that. Or if Cade's back is feeling better because he's not going to answer that. Um, or if JT can duplicate what happened against Penn State because I already asked him that in the spring. So we're we're moving past that. Um, but Berm's point is a good one. We want to make it so that you feel a connection and you get the information you want. If it is about football, fine. I understand uh, you're football fans. We are too. We want to know answers about Ohio State going into uh, training camp. Uh, we're going to try and get some more of them later this week, as a matter of fact, from some guys who won't be in Indianapolis. Um, but if there are some things that help shine a light uh, away from the field with these guys, we'd love to do that. I have a question, Austin. How much? Yeah. Okay, so you know we're we're fans of sport. Uh, you're a fan of dumb sports like F1 and soccer and stuff like that. So I you good start, a, yeah, good start. Yeah, you may have a different answer than I would in this in this space. How much money would you pay as a fan slash observer to stand like on the infield of a practice day at an F1 track uh, or? Um, to get a chance to, I don't know, kick balls with people. I, I, I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> how how that would work in the soccer pitch. See, I, I know well enough to call it a pitch. Um, but yeah. how much money would you pay to have one day with that uh, that one guy in in F1 who doesn't lose? <laughs> well, how much do NFL? I don't know offhand. Maybe I should have looked this up. Like, do NFL teams charge for training camp, or don't they just get value out of the exposure? I don't believe they charge for it, but I also have never searched uh, because I've never thought to myself, I want to go watch practice, but um, because I, I probably have thought I would, but generally we're pretty busy in August, uh, so we don't get yeah. to, but uh, I've never looked into that, but it, this is a little bit, uh, I guess, similar to that. Uh, I think the NFL training camps are actually much more like football heavy, so you, you get a lot more actual exposure to, to seven on seven reps and that kind of stuff as you would the first two days for Ohio State, but um, again, to me, the real value here, if you're paying this $30, is not just the the hat, but uh, the chance to sit down with Ryan Day and the Ohio State assistants the next day. On, on that's that's the cool part. Yeah, I feel like I feel like most other sports, certainly professionally, they have a lot more openness to doing this because they have recognized the for-profit model of athletics for a long time. That's the whole point of being a professional. So. Those packages already exist. I know what they cost. Allie and I have looked into them for F1 races. I am staggered by how much that costs. But again, the value for me would not be to go like watch a practice session and like figure out what the car is doing. It would be, you know, to be down there with Max Verstappen and, and watch them go through their work. I know that people who cover F1 probably get tired uh, of being down there in the paddock. That's their job, and they do it every gate every day. For for me, that would be really cool to do once. And I am strongly considering paying the amount that it would cost to do so. And it is a lot more than $30. So I think that this opportunity for Ohio State fans is really cool. And I, I said this to people in spring when 
and and others dating back to last year. When you're looking for opportunities to tap into the fan base, you have to give them back something. And I think when you look at Ryan Day's podcast with 1870 Society or the coaching staff as a whole, they have to sign off on this. Even if Learfield is running it, if Ryan Day said you're not coming to practice, then this would not be happening. So he has, it starts with him and Gene Smith being like, well, what can we do? What can we do within the rules? What things are we protecting needlessly where we could be helping the program? And I've always felt like spring ball specifically, but certainly the first couple days of training camp uh, where you're not putting in game plans, you're, you don't even have the full pads on, you're not hitting our opportunities where Ohio State could be a lot more open and, and a lot less paranoid than it has been in the past. Um, that goes for all 15 spring practices because they're not game planning, planning for anybody. But especially now, I, I just think that this is one more reminder of Ryan Day's, uh, I don't, I'll just say comfort, but I don't know that he's, tr- I don't know that that means he'll be truly comfortable with whatever happens on the third and fourth when there's 500 more people alongside the media, but understanding that this is the new rules of engagement and part of his job. Yeah, I asked how much you'd pay because I think that in some ways, this is a, tri- a trial balloon for Ohio State to see how this works, but uh, I think they could have charged four times this amount and you'd still get the same. You're only having 500 people. Um, you'd find people willing to spend $500 to have that opportunity pretty easily. So I, I do appreciate that they're starting this at a point that's somewhat reasonable. Now, the, obviously, the limited numbers make it difficult, but I'm just thinking, like, can you imagine opening up practice to 100 people on the Tuesday of Michigan week and how much money Ohio State could make in that moment? Like, there's... There's a there is a lot of value here for the school. And again, going back to December and January when Gene Smith is when it appears to people that he's just out there begging for money, uh, this is a much better way to get it if you're Ohio State because you are giving an experience back to people other than saying, Well, your donations appreciated. I mean, the, the, you know, it's a cool moment <laughs> for people who who grew up dreaming of of spending that type of time with Ohio State. So um you know, I know that there will be some in the media who scoff at this idea and say, "Oh, what won't they? What won't they do?" Oh, God. but like for the, for the average person, for the fan, like that's awesome. That's an awesome opportunity. Um, and when that link goes live, uh, like I said, we'll have it posted in the comments uh, of this video and over on the message board of HowState.Rivals.com, so you can rush into that and get yourself on the field with the Buckeyes. Yeah, there. Those are going to go. Um, I would say in less than a minute, I bet that they're all gone. That's my prediction, my bold prediction for Thursday as those practice tickets go on sale. And again, you heard from me and Berm here. You're not going to hear any scoffing on this idea. I think it's great for Ohio State. I think it's good for media coverage of the program as well, based on what I think is going to be happening throughout August uh, and with those first couple practices. It's better for the program to wrap its arms around engagement and um knowledge and close proximity of the players to its fan base and its media for the ones who are not in the in the 500 who get to be in the woody that day you know uh, we take our job as a proxy for that very seriously and we always have so uh anyway that's that's enough of that uh that is the podcast daily for thursday those uh tickets go on sale i believe at 10 firm said the link will be below uh we'll be back with some friday freaky friday stuff tomorrow and until then thanks for joining us he's burn i'm austin we'll talk to you later